In the latest episode of Vamos Verde, we are going to talk to one of the most prolific goal scorers in Major League Soccer history, Austin FC striker Giassi Zardes. We also talked to some folks who have been bringing the soundtrack to Austin's nightlife for over 20 years and are now providing the soundtrack at Q2 Stadium, their official DJ collective, Peligrosa. That's the latest episode of Vamos Verde. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Hello, and welcome to This Song, the podcast where artists talk about the songs that formed and transformed them. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and this week on This Song, we'll be hearing from Austin artist Shaky Graves. But before we get started, I want to let you know about a podcast I think you might like. It's called Love Letters, and it's a podcast made by the Boston Globe and hosted by one of my best friends from high school, Meredith Goldstein. She is the advice columnist for the Globe, and her column is called Love Letters, like the podcast. And I've been listening to it, and I love it. This season, she's exploring all the ways we try and deal with breakups. And when I was running this morning, I was listening to the episode about music and how effective it is in helping people heal after heartbreak. I know you'll dig it, and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. All right, now to Austin artist Shaky Graves. His given name is Alejandro Rose Garcia, and he's been releasing music since 2011 under the name Shaky Graves. He started out as a one-man band, playing guitar with his hands and drums with his feet. Well, actually, it was like a suitcase that was converted into a kick drum slash tambourine. It was really cool. And I was lucky enough to see him perform when he first started. I mean, I had to see the kid everyone was talking about back then because it did seem like when he started, everyone was talking about Shaky Graves. I just remember how compelling he was. Like he was so into what he was performing and he was so into it. So the audience like couldn't help but be right there with him. Over the years, he's added players to his band, but he still maintains that commitment. He's really fun to watch live. Shaky Graves just released his fifth record, Can't Wake Up. And lucky for you, he will be doing all kinds of touring to support it. Like he'll be gone from now until like from the looks of his tour schedule until eternity. So you probably have a chance to see him live and you should take that chance if he does come to a town near you. Can't Wake Up is Shaky Graves' most expansive musical outing yet. Like he blends all kinds of sounds and styles into this one very dramatic, almost theatrical record. And as he told me when he came in to do a live session here at KUTX, the radio station where we make this podcast, Shaky Graves, he's always been a fan of theatrical music. First thing that comes to mind is the first song I can remember requesting as a child. And I have a specific memory that could be some sort of composite of a lot of memories, but it was basically sitting in my dad's uh, white Ford work van in Los Angeles, where I lived when I was a little kid. And he had the original cast recording of the Phantom of the Opera soundtrack and I loved the still love the overture from that record the way that that track starts is so dramatic it just goes blah, blah, blah. 
I just really liked the uh, way that this organ sounded. And then it's got like 80s drums that come in. And I can't even describe to you, there's something um, extremely theatrical and spooky and kind of corny, but you know, if you're three or five or whatever, it sounded about as hard as I could handle. You know, it was, it was like metal to me. It was very like, Ugh. I think that the record actually starts with the intro, which if you've ever seen Phantom of the Opera, which I, I have, um, it starts with the uh, an auction of the famous chandelier from the Phantom of the Opera incident, which you don't even know what that is yet, um, which happens in the second act. Spoiler, the Phantom of the Opera cuts this giant chandelier and it smashes into the stage. Um, but basically there's this auction and the, this guy's like, Auction number 15, six, something, six, something. Six, the chandelier from the... A chandelier in pieces. Some of you may recall the strange affair of the Phantom of the Opera. So it's like this you know, mystery. mystery. And then the chandelier lights up and the giant organ overture kicks off and then the chandelier rises from the stage and takes its place at the top of the auditorium and then sits there throughout the entire first act and then when the big thing happens at the end of the first act, it swings over the crowd in a giant spectacle and blows your mind. I utilize that all the time. I love loud to quiet and and aggressive to piano to you know stuff like that. So those sensibilities, like it's it's as deep as it goes. I feel like it becomes kind of cellular at that point when you've been listening to something that long. I'm just like yank the rug, get it quiet, <laughs> sing in an operatic voice, play a minor chord really loud, use '80s drums. I mean, I love it. There's such a palpable sense of drama in this recording. That that's enough to really pique a child's imagination. Being like, I live in the bottom of an opera and I write the most beautiful music and like I'm in love with this girl, but no one understands me. You know, it's like it's pretty it's silly. It's pretty ridiculous. But there's something about the the show that like I like so much. My parents were theater people, so I grew up in theaters and um, and I I have a love hate relationship with musical theater. I don't I don't love musicals flat out I, I, I kind of go crazy just as often as I don't but the ones that I love I I love and I've seen Phantom of the Opera it, and I can't tell if it was like a self-fulfilling prophecy of every time it would come to town my parents would buy me tickets because I would jam the overture but I, I ended up seeing it I mean, I've seen it 700 times Whoa, man. I still have the original CD that was my dad's CD version of it. It's I've lost every other CD on earth, and I have that one. I can't. I don't know why. It's the phantom of my <laughs> CD player. <laughs> <laughs> so you grew up in a family of actors. Well, my, my mother's an actor and a playwright and a director, and my dad is a set and light designer. Did you grow up on the stage? Mm-hmm. So and behind the you know and yeah like, and behind and so that was another thing was like the 
probably the concept of there being a masked person that lives underneath a theater was very very interesting to me because you get deep in theaters if you're a kid and your parents are working on a stupid play all day long because no matter how theatrical you may be plays take forever and ever and they do the same thing over and over and over again so you like you know you try and get up in the catwalks or you try and get into the basement or into the prop rooms and you know you find out what doors aren't locked really fast in a theater if you're a kid and you were a young kid exploring theaters pretty much on your own while your parents worked yeah and you're sort of not supposed to you know because you can mess up plenty also you can mess up a lot you could untie a sack sandbag and kill somebody or you know whatever or you could injure yourself terribly (laughs) oh yeah like i said earlier shaky graves new record can't wake up is really expansive like both sonically and stylistically and i wondered did he feel particularly empowered to like use those sounds that he heard way back when he was first listening to Overture? Yeah, this is the record that I got to do what I wanted to and didn't have to mince my words too much about it. I um, reached a level of, you know, success in my own heart and mind where I wasn't really trying to please anybody but, but my myself. And, and I mean, that's not true. You know, I'm I, I'm not making music in a vacuum to just kind of masturbate with, you know. But at the same time, I also was fighting harder than I ever have to not put out something that I didn't want to listen to. And if anything, this this record, if you listen to it the way that I listened to Overture as a kid, then it makes total sense. Each one of these songs in it is a different scene in a in a show that is about something. You know, it's like... The overture is a lot like the first song on the record, Counting Sheep. It opens and this sort of drops you into a a sense. You You could easily hear it the way that musical soundtracks run where each character or group of characters has a certain sound to their scene like in Phantom of the Opera (laughs) there's like the song Masquerade which I also like a lot that is about a masquerade ball you can tell if someone's a hero by the songs that they have or you can tell if someone's a bad guy by the songs that they have I mean this is like this is the same stuff that happens in Disney movies and just musicals in general, the chords you write with dictates how, how the audience should feel about a person often. And so if the character is me in my own record, it'll it'll have dimension. But the way I wrote this is, is about the listener more than myself. Now, is there a through line in this record? It, it is very literally about dreams. You know, it's about being asleep and thinking you're awake and then being awake and thinking you're asleep. Like the old college philosophical like what if we're all asleep man you know like what if this is just a dream you ever had a dream you can't wake up from man you know i have i took the red pill or whatever you know it's like but it, it i dreams are important to me and and uh i've had times when i dream more efficiently and effectively than i do other times and i don't know what that reflects on in my waking life or how strange it is that we can all talk about dreams and sleep in such an abstract and expert way. 
you know, that mm-hmm. none of us will ever see what it looks like when we dream in each other's brains. Yet we all share this combined experience. There isn't a Are you a particularly vivid dreamer? Do you have particularly intense dreams? I've noticed that if I pay more attention to my dreams in my waking life, my waking consciousness is more in my dreams. And I had someone tell me that when I was um, in high school, a buddy of mine who's like really into Rudolf Steiner and layers of consciousness and stuff like that. But out of all the stuff that he's talked about and, you know, deep kind of potentially out there philosophies when he said that it rang really true. So the the times in my life that I've kept a dream journal and, you know, my mother, again, is a playwright and a, a writer in general, and she dreams like crazy. And she has really prophetic dreams a lot that come true. And I have too. I've had times in my life where I've had a lot of trouble and listened to my mom in kind of a hippy-dippy Latino witch way and was like, I'll ask my dreams. And I've had, there's a flavor to certain dreams that I've had where I'm like, in two weeks, this is going to happen. And it does. And it's usually not like the exact thing. It won't be like, you're going to be hit by a car. But it's it's usually very metaphorical and, and extremely personal. And the more that I've noticed these clues in my sleep or or that I've allowed my dreams to be a character in my own life, the more strange and impressive my days have been. Do you mean you're trying to integrate your phantom of the opera? Yeah. <laughs> With yourself? But there's still some sort of beautiful metaphor, too. There's always a tragedy in trying to drag something in the waking world into the, the sleeping world is that it disintegrates. I've always felt like this old mindset of, like, to write good music or to write good, like, poetry, you got to get really dark and... You know, right at the edge, you'll find, you know, great things. And I think that it's it's unfortunately true, is that, like, in darkness does come great beauty. And this is Foot of Your Bed from Shaky Graves' new record, Can't Wake Up. And, like, as someone who also grew up surrounded by musical soundtracks, they were, like my mom's thing and also as someone who has a pretty active dream life I really enjoyed talking to him for this podcast and I love this idea that Shaky Graves is still so affected by the sounds he heard when he was a kid and he's still integrating these sounds and the ideas that he heard into his work like I love the continuum of artistic influence I mean we get our whole lives to process like our whole lives through art. It makes me happy. Gives me hope. Shaky Graves will be on the road a lot, and I will post his tour dates on the show notes page for this episode on KUTX.org so you can see when he's coming to your town. And like I said, you should go see him. I'll also post a Spotify playlist there so you can hear all the songs we referenced here all the way through. That's it. 
you have come to the end of another episode of This Song. This song is a production of 98.9 in Austin, Texas. This episode was edited by Nadia Hamdan and produced by Art Levy and me, Elizabeth McQueen. Kelly Seal is our excellent intern. Aaron Waltz is our social media intern. And thanks to Deidre Gott and Peter Babb and Todd Callahan for all they do for this podcast. And yes, it is true. Our theme song is Mahout by Austin's own Hard Proof. Right on. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. KUT's next AT Explained live show is April 3rd. Brand new stories about Austin's people, places, and culture told live on stage by your favorite KUT journalists. I've never gotten any specific invites from Steiner Ranch. And that's about the time Charlie chomped down on that chicken. I will hypnotize you into securing my law services. Join us April 3rd at the Paramount Theater for KUT's next AT Explained Live. Tickets are on sale now. Get them at austintheater.org. And we'll see you there.